Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. My son and my daughter are 22 months apart, so they're close in age. Uh, when they were younger, we'd get asked a lot, are they twins? No, just 22 months apart, and, and so close in age, but Isaac, being a little bit older, definitely has older brother syndrome. Uh, when we first brought Izzy home, she was a fussy baby. Not a lot's changed, but especially in, in when we first brought her home, she was fussy, and she would scream and, and cry a lot, and it, it, enough where big brother finally said, where did we get her? And I was like, how do I answer this question? Where did we get her? And I just said, she's our, our sweet angel from heaven. And he said, well, now I know why they kicked her out. And uh, okay, that didn't really happen, but it's a great setup for today. Okay, we're in this series talking about what does the Bible say about, and we're filling the blank, and I turned it over to you and said, you tell me, what do you want to know what the Bible what the Bible says about whatever subject or topic. And so we've already gone over a wide variety of things. Uh, but today I want to kind of talk about heaven. I want to talk about the afterlife. And specifically, uh, I'll also touch on this subject, suicide. Because uh, that was the most frequently asked question. This was the one that, was, that had the, the most number of asks specifically about suicide, which the, the uh, genre or the arena that that question really resides in is what happens to the person who commits suicide? Will they get kicked out of heaven? Will they make it in heaven? Will they go to hell? What will happen to that person? Which is an interesting question, interesting that people really want to know about that. And so today what I want us to do is I want to kind of really dive into the afterlife. What happens after we die? And I have found in talking with most people, just generally, people will say, yeah, I believe in some sort of afterlife. There is uh, something that happens after life. Maybe you fall into the camp, you say, no, nothing happens after you die. It's like a, a candle that's blown out and it's gone. I don't know, maybe, maybe you are, are in that camp. But most people I talk to actually say, yeah, there's probably some sort of afterlife, something that happens after you die. Well, last week we talked about general revelation. We talked about specific revelation and special revelation, uh, but we also mentioned this idea of general revelation, that God can reveal himself and does reveal himself to a large group of people in all times and all places in non-specific ways, but it's still him revealing himself. What I find interesting about the afterlife is that there is general revelation to the afterlife. Now, we'll get to special revelation for sure because you have to filter all general revelation with special revelation. But in generally speaking, we can look even at the natural world, okay? God has hinted about the afterlife through general revelation. One of those is the natural world, okay? You can look at nature. There is a circle to life. The, uh, you, you think about the natural cycle with a seed, that a seed will die, and then out of that death will produce some beautiful plant. All right, It comes to life. We actually, in our backyard, have a competition right now. Some of you are kind of got the green thumb lately. I know here on the front row, you guys have been planting a lot of seeds and watching life get produced. We had an accidental planting at our house. There, We had a trampoline, and it got tore, and so I'm like, all right, I'm done with this thing. And so we kind of took it apart. But from underneath where the, trampol the trampoline, I guess, was a, a great place of shade and, and was helping, but two trees have sprung up from where the trampoline used to be. 
And I thought they were weeds at first. I thought, well, I'm just going to let them grow because I didn't want to mow. <laughs> and, and so they started growing. And these two, they, they're pretty close to each other. There's some, they're social distancing. They know about what's happening in our world. So there is six feet of space. But they're growing up, and you guys know how weird I am. So I'm just going to let them grow and see who's the best one and then kill the other one, right? You know, and so we'll just have a little tree competition. They're different trees, by the way. We didn't plant them. I don't know what kind they are. You green thumb people need to come look and tell us. I know there's an app for that too. You can like take a picture. I haven't done that yet, but I, I need to find out. But you look at nature and it kind of even produ- it, it uh, points us to the fact that there's an afterlife. You can think about a caterpillar going into a cocoon, you know, a tomb-like structure, and, and then coming forth from the tomb, from the cocoon, this beautiful butterfly, okay? There are parts of the natural world that point to us that death can produce life, even science, all right? Science can point to it as well. It's how you interpret the facts, but there's uh, people that have have had near-death experiences, and some scientists will argue over and, and try to explain what that is and uh, there's some that don't believe in Jesus that would say, yeah, I can't explain it. There's something supernatural about it. Uh, there's physics uh, that, that even point to it as well. I've, uh, I've seen different scientists. I read an article one time, and it was kind of weird, but it said quantum physics proves there's an afterlife. And uh, I, I understood about half of it because I've watched the Big Bang Theory before, and so I was like, I've heard that word before. But all, this, this scientist, okay, uh, Dr. Robert Lanza, he claimed that the theory of biocentrism pointed uh, that, that death and, and uh, time and space, they don't exist because it's not linear. And so uh, his theory is that that actually points to the fact that there's life after death because we don't fully understand it. We think everything is linear, and it's not. Philosophy points to it. This is general revelation, okay? I'm just, I'm just talking about how people have mused this and considered this truth that there's an afterlife for, for many, many years. We talked about some, uh, some um, literary proof or liter- literary criticism last week, and we talked about some of the uh, earlier works of philosophers, how people consider them uh, legit and, and they validate them. Socrates offers four arguments for the soul's immortality. Uh, in the cyclical argument, he explains that forms are eternal and, ch- and unchanging, and the soul cannot die, that the soul is imperishable. He talks about how the, the body is mortal and is subject to physical death, but the soul is its indestructible opposite. And he says there must be an afterlife. Uh, Immanuel Kant, the Ger- uh, German philosopher, he talked about that there has to be an afterlife because in the afterlife, that's where, uh, you know, how justice isn't always found in the uh, earthly life. And so justice will be found in, in an afterlife. Anthropology, not the store, but the study of humans and people groups. You can go to anywhere in the world, and you can find people in any culture, in any place, that will believe in some sort of afterlife. The specifics will change and vary, but there is an overwhelming sense of talking to every culture that there's a belief in life after death, that death isn't just the end. Okay, General revelation, even. People that don't believe in Jesus will have some sort of uh, general revelation towards them to, to, uh, for them to understand that there is life after death. Well, let's look at special revelation. Thankfully, we don't just have general revelation. We can go to the Bible to get a ver- verdict, and we can get a deeper understanding. Now, there are some things in the Bible that aren't uh, completely concrete, 
there is some uh, healthy debate about it. But what we can see in Scripture, uh, I want us to talk about. Okay, We don't get all the details, but there are some things that are very concrete, very specific. This is what we can understand about the afterlife. Okay, You guys asked about it. Let's talk about it. Number one, believers don't have to be afraid of death. This is very important for us to understand today. Believers don't have to be afraid of death. When people know that death is near, when it's imminent, it can bring about debilitating fear or it can produce supernatural hope. And I've been at the hospital with both types of people. There are some people that are almost eager. You hate to use that word, but are are like, hey, I'm ready. I know that I'm good. My salvation is secure. And this maybe isn't pleasant whatever the circumstance may be, but I have hope and I know everything is going to be okay. I'm good. I'm tired of this pain. I'm tired of these problems. The Lord wants me. Take me, Jesus. And then there are other people that are, are, are very fearful of what's next. And it's all over their face and it's all over their spirit. And you can tell that there is just an uncertainty of what is going to take place. They're petrified. They're scared. Psalm 23, 4, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. For the believer, there is hope. There's a security that comes in the present life and in the afterlife of knowing that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. There's this trust that God cares for me now and will care for me even in death. That God is in charge of all of our days. He knows even the number of hairs on our head. That's why I shave my head, because I figure God's got too much to worry about, right? Or maybe that's why he took it. Either way, I'll be okay with it, all right? The believer can be comforted that knows that God's in control. That he, he knows all, understands all, and that he cares for us even in death. I know that because of Psalm 116, 15. The Lord cares deeply when his loved ones die. Knowing that God doesn't just care about you in your present life, but that he also cares for you in death signals to us that whatever's next is going to be okay, that God still cares. And it isn't just comforting because he cares for us in death, but there's a victory. We just sang about it. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power, but thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love it when a worship leader, when we haven't talked specifically about everything that will be transpiring and and they sing something, they're led to something that is perfect for us today. And Libby did that as she sought the Lord and he led us in our musical worship. But we have victory over sin and death, declares the Lord. The afterlife for us is about victory. It's not about defeat. We didn't take the L, okay? We got the doves. We won Okay, and that should create joy and satisfaction for the believer to know there is victory for us in death. We can be confident in the Lord. We can face death with dignity and strength. Hebrews shares us a passage where believers had to face death with dignity and strength. Hebrews 11.35 says, Women receive their loved ones back again from death. That's a positive instance, but here's another positive in a different way. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life 
after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Again, the old-fashioned kind, big rocks. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with the sword. Now, how were they able to go through that? Why didn't they recant their faith? Why didn't they give up? Why didn't they say, okay, you, my persecutor, I, I believe in whatever you want me to believe in. They didn't because they had placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Because believers don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid of death. There's victory. God cares for us. There's hope. It's, it's anything that can happen after we die as a believer is much better than anything that can happen in the here and now. We don't have to be afraid of death. Secondly, believers, this is what we see in Scripture, special revelation through the Bible, believers will enter the Lord's presence after death. Now, there's some opinions on how that plays out. Godly scholars debate exactly what will happen. But the Bible is clear there's a heaven. And in heaven, we will be with the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5 eight. yes. We are fully confident, and we'd rather be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. Okay, the Bible does seem to teach, in my opinion, that after death, there's this transitional place where we are in the Lord's presence, but without the new heavenly body, okay? And so I, I want to show you kind of a picture, I think, of how this plays out a little bit. Here you can see this narrow gate, wide gate, those that are believers enter through the narrow gate into the place of the dead. In the place of the dead, there is a uh, basically two parts to the whole. There's a paradise. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise to the thief on the cross. And then there's a place of torment still for those who have not put their faith and trust in Jesus. In Luke 16, it talks about this great gulf or chasm in between the two saying, wish, I wish I could tell people about this. And, and then when Jesus comes back, we'll have our new heaven and new earth and those uh, that, again, died without putting their faith and trust in Jesus will face the second death or will face hell. The point is, okay, at the end of time, when Christ comes back, we will move into this different plane of existence, a place where we're transformed into new bodies and where God has absolute rule. And that's why Paul would write things like this. Philippians 1.21, For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. Now, as a kid, did you ever think that? And some of you are, are, are young enough in this room even to think, I, I, that, that doesn't seem better than now. I used to think about that all the time as a kid. It's like, oh, I've got things to do. I want to get married and have a family and the things that make families. And, and I, I can't wait for those things to happen. Some of you will get that later. Maybe you don't need to get it. And if you don't need to get it, don't get it. But you, you think, man, these things are going to be great. And, and so how could heaven be better? And here Paul says dying is even better. Why would he say something as crazy as that, right? Because in death, he knew he would fully experience the presence of Christ. He considered death gain because he could... He knew he could fully and completely experience the fullness of Christ. That was gain, to have the totality of the presence of Jesus. We have some of his presence here on earth. In our musical worship today, to me, there was a presence of the Lord 
but heaven will be an unfiltered presence of God forever. And so anything like being married, having kids, those are great on earth, but everything in heaven will be way better than uh, anything that we could experience on earth. And so after death, believers will enter into the Lord's presence. We know that in Scripture. Thirdly, believers will inherit a blessing prepared by Jesus after death. We'll inherit a blessing prepared by Jesus. Hours before Jesus would be arrested, before he's tried, before he's crucified, he told his disciples this in John 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There is more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. Now, the place that Jesus is preparing for us is heaven. And I think sometimes we get this idea that heaven is going to be boring. We're going to be on uh, clouds and white robes playing harps. How fun. Listen, I'm going to be shredding on an electric guitar, okay? I, I, maybe I'll be playing golf. That, that'll be great. I actually might be good at it then. But I think heaven is definitely not going to be boring. Now, I grew up in, uh, as a teenager in the late 80s, early 90s. And there was this popular song back in the day that would paint this picture of heaven. Now, if you've been a believer for a while and maybe you grew up in a church setting, you will know this. When I say the name Audio Adrenaline, right? You guys know that band? They had this song called what? Father's House. You, you remember this at all? Oh, listen, what, what a classic worship song, right? I mean, we were praising Jesus to this one. I Tongue-in-cheek a little bit, but maybe let, let's, let's go down memory lane. Play that song. What's next? <laughs> okay, so this, this uh, song is talking about heaven. Sarah, would you come up and do the, uh, let, Nick, let's do this one more time. Sarah was really good at the motions. She thought she was safe here in the back, right? She's like, no one sees me, and she was dancing and doing the table, and I don't, threw in a touchdown or something. I don't know what she was doing. I think that she got a little charismatic on us. That's, hey, listen, the spirit was moving. She rolls that way anyway. So, Sarah, do you want to come up and do that? Oh, she's good. Okay. Now, listen, th this is, um, I, when, I, when I would sing that song as a teenager, I'd throw in basketball instead of football. I was like, no, I'm going to be playing basketball. I'm going to be shooting some hoops, right? Uh, Libby threw up the touchdown sign. That is true that you would sing that song and you do that. It was just kind of this fun song, but it was all pointing towards heaven, right? But it, it, that, that doesn't even, for maybe a kid that's like, oh, that, heaven will be great then. But it goes far beyond that picture that was painted for us by audio A, okay? To begin with, here's three reasons. We will never in heaven come to the end of exploring our creator. We'll never come to the end of exploring our creator. Imagine fully being able to comprehend and get a handle on the Trinity or, or how Jesus was fully man and fully God at the same time. Well, imagine exploring God's love, comprehending how wide and how high and how long and how deep the love of God is, exploring the depths of his wisdom, of his holiness. Imagine growing in, in our capacities to, to fathom his immensity. And to top it off, I think the more we will know him, the more we'll think there's more to know. Okay, we'll never come to the end of exploring our creator. How incredible 
that will be. Also, we will never come to an end of exploring the creator's creative handiwork. I think we'll, the universe will, will literally be our playground. And even if we're capable of exhausting the new heaven and new earth, God will or could create brand new places for us to explore. That's, that's going to be awesome. Lastly, we will never come to the end of exploring fellow Christians. See, I believe that we'll have the ability to appreciate one another, and, and that will be enhanced exponentially. Imagine being able to love another human without even a hint of selfishness. It's pretty impossible now, but it won't be in heaven. I, I think we will know our loved ones there. First Corinthians 13 says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. And all I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Now we see things imperfectly, but in heaven, we'll see things perfectly. We won't have less knowledge, we will have more knowledge. We won't just recognize the people that went before us. I believe we'll have relationship with them. Now, those relationships will look different than anything on earth. We'll be more like angels. Jesus said in Matthew, he said, For when the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. Our relationships will be better, more intimate. Our, our relationships will ex exceed what we can conceive even in a marriage relationship. They'll be completely agape-driven, unconditional love. Okay, real physical beings in a real physical universe with a real physical Christ. That's what heaven will be like. And so it won't be dead and dull. It'll be exhilarating. It'll be exciting. It will be an experience that will never come to an end. I remember as a kid being so scared, even as a young believer, but eternity just seemed like, wow, I can't grasp it. And I remember in tears even, like, I don't, I don't, I can't comprehend it. And I don't know if we will ever until we experience, but it's going to be perfection. Not a slight imperfection in any way. It'll be perfect. It'll be glorious. Now, all of these points started with the word, what? Believer. I think it would be wise of us to understand that the afterlife I talked about today that is for believers, those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. It's not the case for everyone. It's the case for believers. One of the most sobering passages in Scripture is Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, okay? Now listen, for the people that say love wins, let's be real for a second. The words of Jesus, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Not everyone is going. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me. You who break God's laws. 
What is the will of God for you to be a believer, for you to put your faith and trust in Jesus? And some spiritually active people are going to be surprised on Judgment Day. They can say they served, they, they helped, they gave, they read their Bible. They knew Jesus was the Savior of the world. But the real question is not, is Jesus the Savior? The real question is, is Jesus your Savior? That's the real question. Have you truly surrendered to him? Did you truly put your faith and trust in him as the only way? Did he change your life? Have you surrendered to him as king of kings, as lord of lords? Did you turn from your sin and turn to him to say, you take over my life. You be the boss. One day Jesus is going to separate the sheep and the goats. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom talking about heaven, prepared for you from the creation of the world. Verse 41 of Matthew 25 says, Then the king will turn to those on the left and say, Away with you, you cursed ones. Where are they going? Into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. See, today we're talking about the afterlife, and the reality is all of us will have an afterlife. Every single one of us. We will all live forever, and it will be in either heaven or hell. And we can one day maybe get into the specifics of all what that looks like, but I'll just say this generally. The Bible speaks of hell as darkness, as isolation. It's not going to be a party with your friends. And I've shared Jesus with people, and they said, I don't want to go to heaven, I want to go to hell, because that's where my friends are going to be, and we're going to party it up. That ain't going to (laughs) happen. That's not what it's going to be. Hell is eternal torment, smoke, fire. These are the words that describe it. It's the complete and utter absence of God. Like I said, on earth, there, there is the presence of God that still manifests. In hell, it will be completely absent of his presence. So the person who commits suicide. Listen, we don't find anywhere in Scripture that that's an unpardonable sin. We don't. You could ask about, hey, what happens to the person who... who uh, dry, uh, who dies in a car accident but was drunk at the time. That's a sin. Okay, suicide, I believe, is a sin. I believe it's a strategy of the enemy. I, I think a person acts out of a selfish and sinful state. That's what suicide is. It's selfish, it's sinful, but that doesn't cause someone to lose their salvation. Just as someone could screw up and die in the same moment. If they've really put their faith and trust in Jesus, they made a mistake, but their salvation is secure. John 10, Jesus says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are One, Jesus said, I got you. If you belong to me, I got you. No one's going to take you away. And we never earn our salvation, and we're not going to lose it. It was a gift to us. And so my question is, what about you? Is your salvation secure? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus? At some point, we're all going to die. Amen? (laughs) Amen. Hebrews 9.27 says, And just as each person is destined to die once... And after that comes judgment. Okay, that, that appointment's on everyone's planner. 
You know how Apple sometimes just throws in holidays on your, on your calendar? You're like, where in, the, where in the world did that come from? I didn't add that one. There, there's a day we're all going to die. It's inescapable, okay? Every one of us are going to give, give an account of what we did with Jesus. And so right now we have a choice. Are we going to put our trust in him or not? Now, the great news today is your salvation can be secure. Jesus did die for you, and your afterlife has been paid for. The way has been pointed for you through the act and sacrifice of Jesus Christ. He faced the wrath of God on your behalf, and he has that gift available for you. If, it was, if I were to offer you my iPad, you would just have to take it. I'm not because I'm not that generous, but God is. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And so God, in his generosity, said, I'm going to make a way. I'm going to do what for man, what man can't do for himself. Jesus is going to be the perfect lamb, the sinless one. And he died on a cross for you, for me. He faced the punishment of sin, which the Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. But the gift of of life is, is through eternal life is through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we must believe in Him. And if you've never done that, whether online or in this room, I want to encourage you today to put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you have done that, I hope you find freedom today. Freedom over fear of what's to come. We live in a very fearful time. People are very afraid. We don't have to be afraid. If God is for us, who could be against us? doesn't mean we're unwise. It doesn't mean we're silly or stupid. But it means that we walk in faith, knowing God is for us, and he cares for us in life, and he cares for us in death. He knows when our time comes. He knows the number of hairs on our head. But he cares for us, and we can trust that. So I would like to end in prayer. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, would you do that today? It's not a get out of hell card. It really isn't. It's so much more than that. God doesn't just want to change the afterlife, which is amazing. He also wants to change your life now. My life is completely different because of my faith and trust in Jesus, 100%. His love for me It's so hard to fully comprehend, but I feel it on a daily basis. The peace that he has given me. But I want to tell you this too. We don't just give our lives to Jesus so that we get something. <laughs> That's a little bit too much self-serving. We give our lives to Jesus because he's worthy of it. He's God who paid the price for us. Who was our substitute. And because we're sinful apart from him. We're wretched. A lot of we don't talk about that enough. Listen, apart from Jesus, you are wretched, sinful, scarred, stained. And you can use an abundance of soap, but the stain of your guilt is still before the Lord. The only way to have that sin removed is through a sacrifice, the blood of Jesus. And so I encourage you today, online, in this room, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, would you do this? Pray this. Say, God, I admit, I have sinned. I've got sin. I know I've screwed up. Say something in your own words. I've messed up. I've sinned. I've screwed up. I know it. I feel it. I've messed up. 
somewhere in the past, maybe this morning, but I've messed up. And so God, please forgive me of all sin, the past ones, the present ones, the future one. Please forgive me of the totality of sin on my life. I believe in Jesus, that Jesus died for me, that Jesus rose again, that Jesus is the Son of God. I bow to you as my Lord and Savior. Take over my life. Forgive me of my sins. And the best way that I know how, right now I commit, I'm all in, I'll, I'm going to follow you. I believe. I confess. I'm in. No one looking around, if you prayed that prayer, listen, we want to help you as a church be all that you can be. And so if you're in this room, we're not passing plates and we're kind of trying to be careful with these things that are going on. We have these baskets at the bleachers on the way out. If you would just fill out a card and say, hey, I gave my life to Jesus, check that on the back. If you're a first-time guest, we'd love to have a record of your visit and just follow up with you. See how we can help, love on you, encourage you. And if you've definitely put your faith and trust in Jesus, we want to help you. If you're online, you can message us through Facebook. If you're on YouTube, you can comment. If you're on the podcast, email us. Go to our website, everyday.church. There's a contact uh, that you can reach out to us. We want to know. We want to help you. Please, please have the boldness to reach out, to let us know what the Lord's doing. Father, thank you for our time together. Thank you for our faith family. Thank you for your protection upon us. Keep protecting us in the name of Jesus. Thank you that we can walk in faith and not fear. That we can trust you. We bow to you and submit to you as our Lord, as our King. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless.